It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. We're the defective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we're sharing about identification in recovery in this episode nine of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. All right. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Mike, hello. So it's, it's just the three of us today. We're going to change it up a bit and talk about a topic that I know a lot of us can relate to, uh, especially if you've gone to your first meeting. Uh, before I actually walked into mine, I was told to identify rather than compare. So look at the similarities rather than differences. And uh, it's tough to do at first, but that's what we're going to look at. I want to start with you, Dennis, uh, asking okay. you, did you trust people in recovery when you were new, like when you first came into the rooms? Um, trust. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think during that time, I was such in a place where I didn't really trust anyone. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like when I first came into a meeting, I was like, oh, I trust these people have my best intentions or my best whatever. I was skeptical of pretty much everything. Um, but what I did know was that like where I was, I didn't really have many other options. And here it looked like there was something here. Didn't know what it was or what it was going to entail or whatever, but it was, it gave me a little bit of hope. And in my mind, it mattered like, you know, if all of this is BS or whatever, then there's nothing that stops me from just not going or, you know, going back to what I was doing. So I, I would honestly say I probably didn't trust anyone, but I didn't like trust myself at that point, you know? Yeah. James, how about you? It's a good question, Mike. Um, when I first came into the rooms, I, um, I knew that I had a problem and I knew that I couldn't stop drinking. I tried and I tried. Um, what I did find when I came into the rooms was a lot of warmth, um, it was uh, a bunch of older gentlemen. This was in Miami, and um, I could see in their eyes that they had um, my my best interest um, in their heart, and I knew they wanted to see me well. I don't know how I knew, but I trusted that they wanted me to get better. Um, I didn't know much else besides that, and I knew it would be uh, another 14 years before I could trust myself. Um, and, um, but I did see in the rooms um, a caring, loving, trusting presence um, that I hadn't felt since you know, back when I was with my family in Alaska. So, yes, I, I did think that I was um, trusting when I first came in. It's Thanks. Kind of, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like, uh, I know towards the tail end of, of my drinking, 
I knew deep down because I that you'll hear if you go to uh, to enough meetings, you'll hear the term Jekyll and Hyde, uh, which if you're not familiar, it's essentially, uh, you know, you try to keep it all together. But there's a lot that you hide about yourself, hide about your drinking. And I knew deep down that I was not a trustworthy person. Yes. Um, and I could identify a lot with how people were saying that they felt towards the tail end. And I found it so strange that all these people then were talking about how people were actually trusting them. And, and after maybe they were making their apologies or amends, as we use uh, the term. And uh, that trust for me was really hard to jump onto. Um, but I did it because I was out of options. And I think that um, that was uh, a real savior for me is that I knew that I had nothing else. I tried the tapered off drinking and it didn't really work. And that's what ended up get, getting me to my bottom um, from there. Dennis, the, uh, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and there's a bunch of recovery programs. So depending on, you know, which one, if you're listening, you use, you know, whatever works for you to find out. But did you trust the program that you had when you were new, like what, what part was, was toughest for you early on? Um, I think where I, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm almost reinterpreting your question to like, did you, tr- do you trust the process or sure. did you trust the process yeah. of the program? And, and for me, it was, you know, I was at some point I was hopeless, you know, at the beginning and I had no, you know, direction on what to do of anything. So it was almost out of desperation to where I I decided I'd give it a fair shot. And I think one of the scariest parts of the whole thing is, you know, like you mentioned the amends or the apologies and stuff. It's, it's, you know, I think going through life, a lot of times, like I was an isolator and a hider and, you know, like couldn't ever like, open up because if you saw who I was, you might not like me or I might get in trouble or, you know, whatever thoughts I had as a kid and stuff. So this idea of like opening up to people and like being vulnerable to like get stronger, it's almost a contradiction in a way when once you do it, you realize that it's not. So I think that's probably was one of the scariest parts is, is, opening up, letting people inside, honestly inside to see who you really are. So, and so you can see yourself who you really are. So you can start, you know, uh, getting rid of that ugly Mr. Hyde, you know? Yeah. So. James, what do you think? Indeed. Um, I, for years, did not trust the process. I had stuff buried deep inside me that I was taking to my grave and and I was the, the fear trumped anything else. I was afraid what people would think about me. I was afraid uh, that I'd get in trouble and freedom was on the other side of opening up and trusting the process. Um, for me, I probably would have died a miserable alcoholic if I didn't have my spiritual experience when I did. And I, I, I spoke about that previously. So for me, it was, um, I was not, I did not trust the process. I, I completely, I see everything now in a different point of view. But if I hadn't have had some help from my higher power, I probably would have never have made it. 
I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, it's kind of like a a funny thing. So as you're going through the steps and and they're, as, as I always say, and I do, uh, I do believe it, the steps are in, uh, have numbers next to them in order uh, because that's the way you're supposed to do them. When I got to step four, I had a hard time. First of all, I loved the first part of step four, which is essentially you write down all the people uh, that, you hate the resentments. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. The resentments. I mean, in layman's terms, I didn't understand at first that it was uh, to then in that last column that we learn, it's your part in it. So I was like really grooving, you know, I was like six, seven pages in like smiling, <laughs> being like, yeah, this person's terrible. You know, they did this to me. And then when I had to get down to that last column, you know, I, um, I, it took some time, you know, like it, it honestly was probably a couple hours to put into paper, uh, pen to paper for the first column and then realizing how it affected me and how my part uh, to actually say, oh, well, I did this and, you know, this is a little bit of blame for me. Um, that process was was tough to accept. You know, I, I hear people say, you know, if you're going to go out doing the steps you're probably going to go out on four or five or eight or nine going out meaning starting to drink or use again um and i'm i'm grateful that i didn't uh didn't buy into that part of it which um i also think about um the the phrase don't quit before the miracle happens because you don't have to trust the process but if you keep with it and keep with it it's it's gonna happen eventually it took a long time for me but you know, that's, it's such a good phrase. Don't quit before the miracle happens because it truly is a miracle and, and that, it, it hits different oh, people hits, in different yeah. ways, you know? And that, that miracle, you're probably talking about like higher power. Dennis, did you trust your higher power? Did you have one when you were new? Um, me? Um, I think, uh, I think I had a higher power, you know, like I think throughout my life, my, early conception of a higher power was like a Santa Claus, right? You know, you do bad things, you get coal to add to the fire. And if you do good things, you get get presents and stuff. And then at a young age, I didn't like, you know, I came to realization that the Santa Claus wasn't real. Like most kids do. Sorry, kids, if you're listening, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to have to put a, if you believe in santa claus the easter bunny all these things maybe skip this episode right (laughs) go go ahead dennis (laughs) like uh so so for me like you know when i was younger i I was pretty much a devout atheist you know and then intellectually i uh, you know reading books and just out of my curiosity i came to the intellectual realization that i couldn't um, you know, I couldn't definitively say that I didn't believe in anything. All I could, you know, honestly come to was that I didn't know. And then so I became an agnostic. And then, you know, as life went on and, you know, my curiosity and looking into it more. And by the time, like, before I came to the rooms, things were so bad, you know, like if I was throwing up and hugging the toilet, I would pray to something, you know, not knowing what it was or whatever, like, please save me. Oh my God, I won't do this again. You know, the porcelain God kind of thing. (laughs) 
Um, so by the time that I came into this room, I had had a, a spiritual experience or whatever. So I, I knew that there was something and I didn't completely understand it. But it, again, it like almost out of desperation, I came to a point where like I was relying on something outside of myself because everything that was like mine that I was doing and that the power that I had like withered away, you know, I couldn't do it on my own. I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So I relied on something. So if, did I trust that it was going to work or that anything like that? I don't know, because again, like I didn't trust anything at that point, but it's like, kind of like what James says, it doesn't really matter if you trust it, like the process or whatever, you just do it. So even if I didn't believe or necessarily trust that my higher power wanted me to go this way, it's the only direction I had. So I did it anyways. You know, I, even if I don't feel especially spiritual, I still pray, you know, I still take time to meditate or whatever and, and stuff like that. So I think in doing the actions, I've come more to trust it because of the results of it. So nowadays, nowadays, it's changed into that from what it was? Um, yeah, I think so. I think I have days where I, you know, I have bad days or whatever, where I think I'm lost and alone or whatever, but then those quickly pass, you know? So I think I have a lot more trust in my higher power now than definitely before, you know, five years ago or so, you know? Yeah. James, how about you? Um, the question is, uh, did I trust my yeah, higher did power? You trust your higher power when you were new? When I was new, no, there was no higher power for um, which is kind of why I, I never got the program. There was no spiritual part of of who I was, and I didn't. I kind of did one, two, and three with a couple of different sponsors, like, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I believe there's a power greater than me, but I never truly believed there was, there was no God. And you, you kind of see that in AA a lot. You see people who are just going through the motions, but really don't have a spiritual connection. That was me for years. Um, until there was a God and he was in my face. And, and I remember the first time I ever, Believed in God, truly believed in God, and I knew for a fact that he was real. And the first time I trusted him, and um, it was just a remarkable thing. And I, it's, my life has never been the same since then. Um, I, I trust him with everything now. And, you know, I wake up in the morning and I, I smile and I just say, thank you, God. And throughout the day, before I go into work, um, before I... I talk to my wife or sit down and have a business meeting. You know, I'm, I'm thanking God and inviting him into the situation. And sometimes even going in there before I get there and just, you know, scope everything out. Um, so um, maybe it would have been a lot easier if I would have had trusted God in the beginning, but he just wasn't there. My path was a long path. You know, I, I look at you two how you um, came into the rooms and you, you didn't, you didn't have a over 10 year in and out program like I did. And I think that's remarkable. My wife is the same way. Just, she just got it, you know, 
my my wife she came into the program she picked up a white chip two weeks later she had a spiritual experience like i had 14 years after i picked up my first white chip it's just it's just so different for so many people so it's it's just remarkable i love everyone's different stories um i love hearing about everyone's god and just seeing the energy to those around those people who just who just get it and and now their lives have been transformed they're awakened there's color now and everything you know yeah and and it it is funny too um depending on what meetings you go to like our home group there was a uh uh i guess a open talk about uh higher power that that came up uh, a little while ago and some people squirm in their seats um because you know early on whether it's you know i grew up a catholic and um it's not everybody's experience, but it was my experience of similar how Dennis was talking about kind of uh, God being like Santa Claus, except instead of, uh, you know, Cole, if you're bad, it's if you're not the best and the best good, you're literally going to get nothing is what I thought. And you actually, even if you do try your best, sometimes you're getting nothing. And I don't know where that came from, but that's the way I felt. So I had so much resentment towards yeah. it it's come- easier to rule people by fear than yeah love. like that's that's the way it felt and it was awful and yeah. me too it, i i think it was just the the fact that in front of me i had pretty much figured that i was going to lose my job i was going to lose my wife so i was going to lose my house i was going to pretty much lose everything i had and i did not want to be uh, 29 years old and already be divorced and uh, alone and then to try to move around again. So I just, I used my sponsor's higher power and he had one that was very unique because his, his wife actually converted to, I think it was like Buddhism. They were still together. They were both in the program. She changed her name from Karen to Sukpran and did wow. everything like it was it was far out it was out there and he just kind of he had a very spiritual sense of his god wasn't really buddhist wasn't really any religion it was just something bigger than him that kept him sober and uh you know some people use the rooms and uh say god uh for god being group of drunks um and use that i just I just hoped that there was something bigger than me. I thought for the longest time that when you die, it's just, just blackness, just nothing. And um, now I, you know, I don't know what's up there. All I know is that I am not the most important thing in the universe. And that keeps me sober, you know, and that I trust, I trust that that's the truth because there are a lot of moments in my life that I now look back and go, Wow. Like that could have been a lot worse, you know, like I many times could have drank to the point of um, being sick and, you know, choking uh, on my own vomit, not to be gross, but that's a reality for some alcoholics that they do that. And a friend of mine's brother did that, you know, like it, it can be, it can be really dark or driving drunk, which I used to do. And I don't now because I don't drink. And that's I know because I have a higher power. I know two things for sure, Mike. There is definitely a God and I'm not it. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's very very important. Let's uh let's transition I, I to that real quick though. Yeah, yeah. Before, what's up? Um, I think you hit on like a very important distinction where like in AA and other twelve step fellowships and stuff, like you know, a lot of newcomers come in and we have this concept of God and it's attached to the word God. But even like the word God is just like a generic noun. It doesn't specify the name of God or anything like that. It was literally created to say that we can't say what the name is. So we named this. But as kids, we always get our, you know, our own beliefs or other people's beliefs attached to this word. So it's really hard for a lot of people when they come into the rooms and they hear people say God or higher power or whatever to like get past that word to be able to come up with what works for them, you know, cause it really doesn't matter. Like you mentioned Buddhism. It doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or, and from an Abrahamic uh, religion or have your own concept outside of that. And I think the important thing is that you can identify that you're not the greatest thing in the world, that there is something, some force out there that it can act in your life and like, and help you out, you know, return you to sanity. And I think it's really big hurdle for some people to get past. It's just that simple word. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I do. I do think that's important to, to notice. And, and uh, the, um, yeah. So don't let anything, t- uh, you know, if you haven't gone to your first meeting, just try to be open-minded to the best of your ability and know that uh, if this many of us have been able to go without a drink for a day, and you're not able to, and this works for us, maybe it'll work for you. Um, Dennis, I want to go to your, uh, you know, first meeting or first couple of meetings when you were new and you were trying to identify, were you able to do that rather than just compare? Um, yeah, I think so. Like for my personal story, you know, I had like had my friend or whatever who took me to my first meeting or whatever. And I ended up, having long conversations with people before I ever went to the rooms or even thought about going to the rooms that were in recovery. And we would talk about recovery because at that point I was dry and not drinking. So in those conversations, I was able to relate to them, you know? And so by the time that I actually went into the rooms, it like the last thing I was looking at was like personalities or who was sitting there or whatever I was so nervous I probably had my eyes closed or whatever and I just heard like you know I related a lot to like the emotion and the pain that they went through and the struggles that they were having more than like their individual jobs or interests or anything like that um and I think to this day I think the more I get better I don't want to say better but the healthier I feel the more spiritually calm I feel I get, I, I tend to like personalities tend to like stand out more to me because, you know, I've, I've heard most of the people in our home group stories and everything. And so it's almost old news. So it's like, I, the the personalities stand out more. It's like, Oh, I don't like the way that this person said that, or I don't like the way this person said that when ultimately they're the same message. So I have to keep reminding myself, you know, the, the phrase, you know, principles over personalities and, and, and keep that in the forefront of my mind that like 
you know, this person was sick just like me and this person, you know, didn't read the same books that I have read or haven't had the same experience. So you gotta, like, I gotta remind myself to let those people be them and then listen to their principles and the message that they're actually saying, which is usually pretty universal. Yeah. Yeah. James, how about you? Did you compare rather than identify when you were new? Well, when I was new, I, um, I definitely didn't identify. Um, I was very lost and I was in and out of the programs, uh, for a little while. Um, the first time I ever got to really truly identify was at work. I was, um, I was working in a waiter in a restaurant and, um, I was going, I started drinking again and there was this, I was asking everyone if they wanted to go out drinking and there's this one guy, uh, he's probably like five years younger than me, maybe 21. And his name was Sean. And I, um, asked him if he wanted to go drink. He's like, no, I don't drink. And I was, you know, I had been in and out of the rooms for a couple of years at that point. I was like, you don't drink? What do you mean? He's like, no, I don't drink. And I was like, huh. I was like, why not? He's like, oh, I'm sober. I'm, I'm in AA. And I was like, at this point, I had only seen like older guys in AA. And I was just like, what? I was like, how long have you been sober? And he told me like two years. And I was just fascinated by this. I was like, wow, he's working in the same place as me. He's younger than me. He's been sober for two years. I and I was just like, then I just started picking his brain. Like the rest of the week, I was like, well, I was like, do you, do you eat pills? He's like, oh, yeah, I used to eat pills by the handful. And I was like, really? And I would tell him what I would do. And, of course, in true AA fashion, he'd be like, oh, it doesn't really sound like you're an AA. It doesn't sound <laughs> like you're an alcoholic. And I was like, but but I eat and eat pills and I drink all the time. He's like, yeah. But he was like definitely just egging me on, like just – so I can figure it out on my own. And uh, that was the first time I truly identified like, wow, if he's, he's just like me, he's younger than me. I mean, this, maybe I am an alcoholic, you know? So that was my first time identifying and it, it wasn't right away either. It's, it was in my own time at the exact right moment, but that really stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, that was actually going to be my follow-up question. Dennis, was there anybody that you first identified with, like in the rooms? Do you know, like, what their story? Obviously, you don't have to give their name, but just kind of yeah. like what they were like. I think the first person, again, was before I went into the rooms, but like I used to, I think I shared it in my story where, you know, I was pretty much agoraphobic, but I ended up going down to this restaurant that was literally right next to my house. And I would sit at the bar while I was ordering food to go and the bartender there would be like um you know oh do you want a beer like every time that i went in and i would always say no no i don't and sometimes i'd get a coffee or a water or something and you know after a while he just asked me he's like you don't drink do you and i was like no and he's like not ever and i'm like no, not really. I used to a lot, but I don't now. And then that's when he told me, he's like, oh, I don't either. And then, you know, just in casual conversation, you know, he would tell me a little bit about his story, where he came from, you know, like, and, um, 
you know, in, in, in doing that, like I opened up about my situation. So it was really like a one-on-one relating, you know, and like he would talk about like, you know, going to the bar and not mean wanting to drink and then end up drinking all night or like, you know, getting sick and then still doing it, you know, or like the consequences in our lives, how like, you know, we'd lose a job or because we couldn't go into work because we were hungover and just like almost like these little war stories that we would tell. And they would always end up with like, you know, God, I don't want to do that again. Or thank God I don't have to do that again, you know. And I think, you know, it was him who asked me to go to my meet- my first meeting. And, um, you know, I think in relating to that is, is probably why I said yes. I still don't know why I said yes, but I did. And it was probably the best yes I've ever said. But yeah, yeah I well, think it would I- probably be. I know, I know for James and I, we can honestly say we're glad, uh, glad for that guy and that uh, chance to identify uh, that you had. So that way uh, you can, you can be here. It's funny that now I see kind of my, uh, my higher power was at work even beforehand. The, the person that took me to my very first meeting, um, this, this woman, her name's Mary. Hopefully I can get her on the podcast at some point because she has one heck of a story. She, had 10 years in the program and I knew she didn't drink and I knew maybe she went to AA, but I didn't know what the heck the thing was all about. And as soon as I hit my bottom, uh, she was the very first person that uh, I went in and and I told this in my story as well, that, uh, you know, I think I have a problem. No, I know I have a problem with alcohol. And she took me to that very first meeting. And um, it's funny because my higher power, Put, I know, put me there years earlier because she was the one at work that originally hired me. And it was for a job when I was in Fargo, North Dakota living. It was for a job that I honestly, I never applied to. And she said that I sent her an email applying for a position. I went back and I checked my Hotmail account and I had never sent that message. So I don't know what she saw. But she said, yeah, I sent her an email. And this was um, this was what, four years before I got sober. And I look at that like that's a God moment, because honestly, guys, uh, she she hired me and then we were colleagues and, and she wasn't my boss anymore at that point. But she was somebody that I knew that I needed a, a helping hand. And I in that very first meeting she took me to identified with the speaker that was telling their story about how they were so desperate towards the tail end that they drank beer out of an ashtray. And whenever we had parties, I used to offer to clean up and there was beer that was spilt on the table sometimes of my house. And I would pour the beer back into the bottle so I could drink it because it was like, I'm going to make sure that if I'm paying this, it's like, not only am I an alcoholic, but I am still super cheap. And that super cheap part, I still have, but I don't know if they have super cheap anonymous. You know, I don't think they have that. So uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep coming back. But, um, you know, I know identifying definitely helps. You know, I want to bring it back to like, 
to the trust in the higher power thing where you mentioned that like that the higher your higher power or whatever sets you up and like kind of ranges things long before you ever even realize it and i think that's where like a lot of like my trust now in it is that looking back with like 2020 vision and seeing it you know like it's easy to say like coincidences and whatever but like there's certain events like just meeting my friend at that restaurant you know like it, it like so many things had to come together for us to like just casually be sitting at that restaurant you know and which led to one thing that led to another all the way down to like you know like even me and James meeting it was like a couple of days after I come into the rooms you know he happens to to move to Florida and sit right next to me. And we became friends, like almost inseparable ever since. And, and even in doing that, we've done so many things outside of AA, like, you know, film some creative projects and work on other things, which, you know, it all comes down to like this one little incident of sitting at a bar and casually talking to someone, you know? Absolutely. Well, let's let's wrap up if we can, and I'll start with you, James. Um, as far as identifying in recovery, why why is that so important? If if you're speaking to somebody that hasn't gone to their first meeting um, and is thinking about it, why is that so important instead of comparing? Well, when you're identifying, you're um, opening up all the floodgates, and you're letting. Um, just anything that might help you become sober. Whereas um, if you're comparing, you're automatically closing doors. You're saying, oh, I'm not like him. I'm not like her. I wasn't as bad as that. There's so many different people who come in and out of the rooms, and there's so many different ways that people are alcoholic. But in the end, we've all felt this emptiness inside and when you're identifying with someone it helps you realize that you do have this spiritual malady this spiritual sickness and we're all the same so the ways to get past that and to be spiritually filled is to see the good in everyone and to be open to everything when you're um it's hard when you first come in because you know you're so closed off from the spirit you're you've been filling yourself with drugs and alcohol because that's the only way you knew but the problem with that is it kills us over time and when we come into the rooms and you can just truly see individuals for who they are and and you're not comparing it's just an easier way um and it's gonna take time so that's what i got i like that dennis anything else to add um i think like kind of what james touched on or whatever you know there's a million things that we can look at and like why we're not like someone or that we're different than them and like you know look at all the negatives and and the things that set us apart or divide us but once you start like you know, relating to them, understanding like, oh my gosh, I felt that way before. Oh, I've done that. You start to take away those, those boundaries and you, you know, you realize that we are deep down, 
more alike than we are different, you know, and then you can maybe hopefully realize that we're not alone. You know, the stuff that you go through, the, the pain, the emotions, the struggle and stuff is that other people have gone through that too and come out the other side. So you're not alone and you don't have to do any of this alone. And I think that's what's important for me to remember. You know? Yeah, I agree. That, that is the key. You know, um, it felt like a warm blanket being put over me as soon uh, in my first home group. We would literally go around the room at one of them. There were 65 people and everyone would say their name, alcoholic, their name, alcoholic, addict, whatever it is. And, um, you know, depending on uh, your group might not. I, our home group in celebration does not do that. But I think it was my higher power at work that in my very first meeting that that is what happened to allow me to actually say it out loud and hear myself say it and identify with all these other people and it wasn't peer pressure because some people say they don't like it because it felt like peer pressure it was actually um i look at it as my higher power kind of saying hey you know what look at all these people these people are not losers because they don't drink get drug anymore. They are people that are actually uh, living life on life's terms and appreciating what they have around them. And I, I can promise you, I didn't appreciate a damn thing uh, before I came into the rooms. So um, any final words, fellas? Anything else to add? Yeah, I like the new Star Wars poster you put up. Oh, you like yeah. that, huh? Yeah, the so- studio is really cool. Together for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and I do like. I do like. I don't know if you guys know. It's also a blacklight poster. So I just <gasps> need to get some blacklight oh, no, put in here. Realize. It's pretty sweet. Oh, so we um. And, and if you're listening, know that we're not going to take any pictures of it because it's a podcast. So you're just going to have to picture what this looks like. But it's <laughs> yeah. pretty. It's pretty impressive. Um, no, and so it's from. Make them no, guess. Uh, no, I'm not even. I'm not going to even mention what's on the ship. Uh, I mean, oh, oh, uh, but uh, I also want to just reach out. uh, We had some uh, sponsors uh, reach out and say that they really appreciated the podcast. And if you're out there and you have any sponsees and uh, refer them to this podcast, we appreciate it. And also uh, subscribing and putting a little message about what you get out of it. So that way we can make sure that as you're listening, we deliver exactly what you're looking for in your recovery. You know, I think that's the least that we can do. Right, guys? Absolutely. So, uh, well, in in closing, we will be back next Thursday, uh, maybe with a special guest or a topic uh, that you tell us that you want to hear, sharing the experience, strength, and hope with us on episode 10, where the defective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, you're not alone anymore. And we'll see you next time. Bye now. Bye.